Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. I'm your host, Chase, and today I will actually not be joined by James for this episode, as he is currently enjoying a nice vacation in the southern United States. Best wishes to my lovely co-host. For today's show, uh, I'll be here with recurring guest Maxwell Millington. He's a writer for Cat Crave and Cardinal Pine, and as well as a featured host on the Spotify Green Room app. Go check out his shows on the Spotify Green Room app if you guys haven't already. Max, first, thank you for joining us. Thanks for taking the time to, to come on the episode today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I know last time I was here, you guys told me uh, that I'm welcome back on the show. I did not think it would be this soon, uh, but I'm excited for it. Honestly. Oh, and, and you were, you're so willing every time. So, I mean, you're probably on the hook for, I mean, um, and many more appearances now. You, you, got, you got yourself way too far down this road. I, well, I appreciate it. You know, some people are always like, "Yeah, we'll bring you back," and then you never hear from them again. So oh yeah, no, no, you're you're out. you're coming back on. No, no, no worries about that. You, we'll we'll be we'll we'll pester you for sure. I appreciate it. I'm excited. <laughs> no, no problem, man. Thank you, thank you for coming on. I'm I'm excited to get to talk some uh, some recent Hornets events here. I mean, with the the team uh, has been pretty solid pretty much the entire year, but I mean, as this year comes to a close or at this season, I should say, but as this year comes to a close, like we just cannot catch a break whatsoever. I mean, Cody goes into health and safety protocols. He comes out, but PJ, PJ miles go in. Do you know any player on the team that hasn't gone in to health and safety protocols yet? Is it Gordon? I think is the only one. No, nah, Gordon did. He was, he was in oh. that group of five. Oh my, um, yeah. Yeah. He was, is there anybody five, that had the rookies, right? They, none of them have gone in. Yeah, true, true. None of them, and that's it, which is kind of surprising because oh wait, no, Scotty Lewis. Oh yes, uh, he's a, yeah. Oh my, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, mean, I, think, I don't, yeah. Well, I'd be curious to see what the numbers are for like the teams that are most affected by COVID. Yeah, I, I want to say Book Night Kai, Nick Richards, maybe, or and, and oh, Vernon yes. Carrier, probably about it. <laughs> You're right, Nick. So I was thinking Nick because um. He missed that game with like an, uh, I think it was a non-COVID illness though. I think I, I had lumped him in in my head, but you're definitely right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's that's every 
major rotation player plus Nick, who has been like in and out of the rotation. The only guys that haven't been sidelined with the health and safety protocols are the guys that you travel between Horn or Charlotte and Greensboro quite a bit. So you'd think that they would be at least uh, in, in higher risk for that, but that's just the way it goes, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, the, I was going to make that same point. It's like weird that they, they probably travel more than anybody on the team and, and they're, and they've, they've been okay, but you know, thankfully, and I, I think the cool part is, I mean, sorry, uh, I should rephrase that. Um, <laughs> there's nothing cool about COVID, but in uh, for a team like the Hornets, where uh, the development of our young players, like, you know, a book night and Kai Jones and, um, you know, Nick Richards, the beauty of, of it is that we have gotten to see them play more time in some of the because of some of these absences and you know that development is is you know key i think to the future of the team so you know silver silver lining there but um just a little sneak peek of my new year's resolution later <laughs> i'm hoping that we don't have to deal with too much of this for much longer yes yeah, so later later on in the show maxwell and i are each going to give our hornets new year's resolution so you guys will have to stay tuned into the second half of the show to hear Maxwell's, but we'll get the, uh, the ball rolling here for the uh, rest of the episode. Well, do you want to talk about the schedule a little bit? I mean, we, I mean, we've written about it on the website. We made James and I've mentioned it on the podcast. I feel like most Hornets fans have probably fa- seen some, some sort of uh, news on this in some way. The Hornets have played like probably the hardest schedule in the NBA. They have the, only the bucks have played as many games as the Hornets. But the Hornets have the most home road splits. They've only played, I think, 13 games or 14 games at Spectrum Center so far. That is going to lighten up significantly in the second half of the season, though, uh, especially I mean, even in the next like couple weeks here what, before the second half of the season starts like they're th- th- I think f- uh, 12 of the next 19 games are at home. So, I mean, th- there's just a much easier travel schedule for them coming up. And we we all know, especially in the pandemic times, like how much traveling can take a toll on players and their bodies and stuff. But what do you, what do you think the, uh, the outlook on this team is for the rest of the year, given like the tough home road splits they have, do you think that that has been like a significant impact on, on their record so far? I think it has. And I'm excited that I, I was looking on Tankathon and, you know, the Hornets are way, way, way at the bottom of the league in terms of strength of schedule re- remaining, which is awesome. Um, and to be, you know, you and I are big James Borrego's, Borrego fans. Um, and I think for this club to be eight, uh, well, above 500, you know, at, at this point of the recording, of a recording this, uh, you know, above 500 going into, you know, now their easiest kind of stretch um, for the rest of the year is amazing. I, I mean, uh, this, this team continues to grow each year. Um, that, that Borrego has been coached, um, been the coach here. Um, and, and again, you know, it's, it's a, a game above 500, but, you know, to be in this position, you know, going into a stretch where you're going to have easier opponents. I mean, it just says a lot about the resilience of the team. We just kind of spoke about all the, the absences that have existed because of uh, COVID and, and all the other things that have been thrown at the Hornets. And we have to keep in mind that the entire NBA is, kind of going through the COVID stuff, but not, but the entire NBA, you know, doesn't have the strength of schedule the Hornets have had and hasn't played, you know, almost 
uh, more games on the road than any other team. So, again, for the Hornets to go through all that and, you know, to be where they are, I think says a lot about the team. And I'm very, very excited to see what this team looks like now that uh, the stretch is going to be a bit easier. And, um, you know, our, we should have a bump in record um, if, if everyone can stay healthy. Yeah, I'm, inc- I'm incredibly excited. Uh, something that I think might turn around a little bit, like I'm not saying that they're going to be world beaters after they start getting more games at home, spending more time in Charlotte, having, having to travel less. But I think the defense will probably get better just because, I mean, especially lately in the last couple of weeks, like they haven't held the team under 100 points since they beat Orlando on November 24th. So, I mean, it's been quite a while since they've had like a really good sound defensive game for like a full 48 minutes they've obviously played well in spurts when throughout the the wins that they've had sprinkled in there but when you're not missing half of your team at any given time for the most part I mean now it's just um, Miles and PJ but that's most of your front court defense I mean so it's going to feel like you're missing a lot more than two guys when the, when two players of that significance are out but I mean when they if they're fully healthy they have like a normal travel schedule not pretty much the toughest in the league nobody's out with COVID or anything everybody's like gotten all their legs back under them and whatnot I definitely think their defense is going to be a lot better because I, I don't know if you remember but when they had that win uh, I think it was that five game win streak with like where they beat like Memphis and New York and the Wizards they I think they were like the seventh ranked defense in the league throughout those five games. yeah so they they have yeah. it in them but it's just it's a matter of being able to do it and like they might not be able to be the seventh ranked defense consistently. I, I don't think they would be, but I mean, right. they could definitely be better than they are. And being 22nd instead of 30th would probably be a, a like a world of a difference for this team with how good they are on offense. Well, Chase, they just at correction on your, on your stat. They just held the Rockets under a hundred. Um, oh, and, and you're the, right. They had 99. Uh, you're totally yeah. right. I forgot that. That so, was 99. Yeah. We're seeing progress. <laughs> there we go. That's another one. The next game will be 98, then 97. We'll slowly chip away. There we go. I, w- I was wrong. I-, I apologize to to my Hornets for not giving them proper credit. So two games under, under 100 points since they beat the Magic in late November. But, yeah, what, what, do, you, what do you think about how the, the defense improving with this lightened schedule? Do you think that's going to – something we might see? Yeah, and I think this is the time where it needs to improve. And it, I, I think – let's 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 keep things in context here right like like you said the defense is going to improve because of the opponents are easier but i think for an for players i think it's good for them to um gain confidence in their defense and um you know if if, let's say like you said they move up to in the 20s in the high 20s somewhere or even above that in defense you know heading into uh, February, March, you know, April playoff time. I, I think that that builds a lot of confidence for the time you, where you need to play good defense the most, which is in the playoffs if you want to advance. So I, 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 I love it's been a hard couple of months, you know, with this schedule, but I love the way it's shaping up because our the, the players are, are going to, um, you know, do, they know what Coach Brego expects out of them on, on the defensive side of, side of things. And um, they have a chance um, going into the playoffs to to show that um, as they make make that step and and grow. Um, but we've already seen some growth for some, for, from some players on the defensive side of the ball. They just have to continue. Yeah, I agree. And something, I mean, James and I have mentioned this on I think two podcasts in a row, but I'm going to do it again. 
Miles is still the leader in minutes played. Gordon is still top five in the NBA in minutes played. Like the, just being at home, I'm not saying like the, that. I mean, Miles obviously is going to be sitting for. I mean, with with how how these rule the the rules are changing with like the isolation and whatnot. I who knows how long Miles and PJ will actually be out. It might not be as long as like what Mello and Ish and Jalen and Plumley were all out for. I I mean, I I really have no idea. But we'll we'll just have to see. But I mean. Now uh, you're at home. You don't have to play Gordon like he, uh, against the Rockets. I mean, he didn't have a very good game, granted, but he didn't play all that much. Yeah, I think he was under 30 minutes. Like you can just keep having these games where you're holding him under 30 minutes and you're playing at home. So it's much easier to kind of give your veteran rest when your role players can come in and not kind of have the crowd breathing down their neck and stuff like that and be on the road in an uncomfortable situation, like in a stadium they've never been in and all that kind of thing that, that adds up and make just makes playing on the road more difficult. But now I think that they'll, because resting Hayward is going to be a, a, a one, I would probably say one of the bigger priorities moving forward. Cause I mean, it's, offensively he's extremely important, but defensively they don't really have that many guys that are six, eight and strong outside of Gordon miles and PJ. They don't really have anybody outside of those three that that'll reliably play in a playoff rotation. So they need him fresh for the playoffs. Very like more so than pretty much anybody I would say like, cause if, if you don't have him, we've seen what happens when the when he doesn't play well or when he doesn't play at all with the Hornets. So I think coming down the stretch, it'll be, it'll be pretty interesting to see like how, how his minutes are managed. Cause he's already starting to take like a slight dip in statistical performance and minutes per game and stuff. So we'll have to watch that. I think. Yeah. I think you need those like guys like Gournay were like fresh for the playoffs because he's going to be, I mean, people are, are going to like roll their eyes when they hear this, but like, you know, as a veteran, as a guy that's been there before, he's going to be critical in that stretch. So I don't mind it at all. Yeah, I mean, they got – I mean, this isn't a one-to-one correlation, but they got absolutely smoked without him in that, that Pacers game. So, I mean, we, we need it. We need all the help we can get if we, we want to make, like, our first playoff run because it, it's very difficult. But a big key to the, making that first playoff run, LaMelo and Miles Bridges making the All-Star team or at least being in consideration for it. Voting for the All-Star game opened on Christmas Day. The All-Star game is February 20th in Cleveland. So when, when we're listening to this, we've got eh, probably about a month, maybe a little bit less than that for voting. So we need to get them to the All-Star game, at least Mello. We, we, have to, we have to start a campaign. I don't know what Hornets fans have to do this year, but we haven't had like a really legitimate All-Star can- or candidate since Kemba, obviously, because Hayward was good last year, but then trailed off a little bit and got hurt. So LaMelo is, I mean, he's leading the team in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. He's a shooting efficiently from three and from the field. He's a solid defender. He has good, like good instincts. He has all of the counting stats that you would want to make an all-star game. And he's in his second season. So he has like, and obviously he's extremely popular too. He's got 7.6 million Instagram followers. So we, we got to get him there. It's, it's been a while, and I think that we have, like, a pretty good chance to actually get him into the All-Star game, just, just via voting, maybe. But what, what do you think about LaMelo and Miles' um, All-Star chances this year? Do you think one or both of them has a solid chance to make it? Yeah, I, I think both have a solid chance. Miles, I, it, I see it being tougher because there are a lot of quality forwards in the NBA, but especially in the East, I mean, he's going to be competing against guys like Kevin Durant, Indianas, who are 
arguably in the MVP conversation, um, not just all-star, but then, you know, you've got um, DeMar DeRozan and, and um, you know, a lot of other wings um, that, that you're going to have to choose between. And I, and I think, um, you know, the, the Hornets fans everywhere are going to have to support this um, in, in a big way for, for Miles to make it, I, I think, especially considering um, the way the NBA kind of does their voting, where they, you vote for, for a backcourt and frontcourt. Um, so, you know, this applies to both Lamelo and Miles. I, I think we can't, you know, just rely on, um, you know, Miles' po- highlights and popularity and Lamelo's popularity to just get him in. I like if all the fans listening, like I'm telling you, you know, vote as much as you can, because let's 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 think about this now. The All Star Game was in Cleveland, and <laughs> the Cavs are having a great great year. And Darius Garland um, is a big part of what they're doing. He's gonna he deserves um, to be an All Star consideration, and so does Jared Allen. So those fans are going to um, do whatever they can sell their left arm and leg uh, to, to see uh, Garland and, and, and Jared Allen playing the All-Star game. So uh, definitely, you know, I, I'm making sure I, I – I, uh, <laughs> I'm making sure I do, do as many votes as I can, do as many tweets as I can, and I think Charlotte fans should too because um, Garland and, and, and Allen and, – and, I mean, there's a lot of competition for the All-Star game, but um, those guys are going to get a lot of support. Um, for the All-Star game, but especially since it's in Cleveland. And I think the LaMelo versus Garland conversation is interesting. And I, I want to kind of get your thoughts on this too, Chase, because I feel like uh, obviously Cleveland's record is a lot better. Um, but I feel like Gar- or some of the conversation I've heard around Garland is, you know, that like a lot of the reason for the Cavs' success is due to him. And I don't disagree but I think LaMelo, this, for, for some reason this year, it's like, well, you know, the Hornets have like a lot of, you know, good players, a lot of, you know, players that, that are, you know, score a lot of points. And yeah, I mean, the Hornets, you know, do have a lot of players in Gordon, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges that, you know, score, you know, between 15 and 20 points a game on, on, on average. But, you know, you can, the same can be said for, for uh, Cleveland's, um, you know, supporting cast with Garland. You've got Evan Mobley having a rookie of the year type season. Um, Jared Allen, I, we, as we just said, is playing well too. So um, I think the LaMelo Garland um, conversation is interesting for the All-Star game, but uh, what, what do you think, Chase, about how Garland's playing this year compared to LaMelo? I think that, yeah, I think you're probably right that it like, because it's I would say Trey and Harden are probably the two best guards in the East this year. And then maybe Kyle Lowry could go in there too, but and then Zach after Levine. them, yeah, Zach Levine. And then, but after them, I would say Lamelo and Garland are the two that are like right there, like breaking into the tier of like surefire All Star from like borderline All Star. And it is really close. I mean, both of them are just under twenty points per game. Lamelo is has the edge in assists and rebounds. I mean, he's also six six. Garland is like uh, like six two. So I, you can't really follow him for not averaging seven rebounds a game, but. I mean, but they both are like excellent pick and roll ball player, ball handlers. Garland is a really efficient shooter from three, also on on pretty high volume. I, they're very statistically similar. I mean, this is right now as I'm talking is like the first time I've like really combed through like both of them side by side. But 
I mean, you really like if you just put them on paper, like player A and player B, like which one is an all star, it would probably be an extremely difficult decision to make. So I feel like, um, I, I the I would probably say I'd probably agree with you that maybe Melo is like a little bit more of like an engine for his team than Darius Garland is because Garland does like Mobley and Allen, the the gravity that Allen has as a roller to the rim, and Evan Mobley is just like a very well rounded basketball player for a rookie probably like I, I i would probably let me let me put it like this i think the Cavs are probably more likely to have two all-stars or two players that are close to making the all-star team than the hornets are so that that might be a case in favor of lamella but i mean you i don't know at the same time you can't really fault darius garland for ha- having good teammates i guess so i don't know that that it will be really tough because i mean it's not like like either one is like not deserving like and this is the other thing is like they're are always way more all-stars than there are like spots on the all-star roster. So that that's what makes it harder yeah. to like, there are 12 spots on the all-star team. That's like, not, that's not a lot. Like there, yeah. like, there are 13 on like a NBA roster. Like, so it's, it's right. just very difficult. And, and this is why I'm saying like, like fans, like if you're listening, like, please vote. Because yeah. Yeah. No, like, we do that, that, that ball Garland, you know, discussion is real and it's close. And again, I, I think Cleveland fans, I, I don't live in Cleveland. Maybe, maybe they don't care, but like I'd imagine <laughs> they really want to see Darius grow in the Oscar game. So, you know, Hornets fans, we got to put our energy into uh, making sure LaMelo um, has a chance to, to get there too. What do, what do you think about Miles' chances? I know at the, like the very beginning of the year, he had like a very strong push for being like, Oh, this guy's going to be most improved player. He's going to be an all-star. He's definitely taken a little bit of a dip since then. I wouldn't say in terms of like value to the team or anything or how important he is playing. But if you just look at his box score and his on nightly basis and his statistics, they have dropped off a little bit, especially his, his shooting efficiency. What do you think of, of his chances to, to break into the all-star game? Yeah, it's hard because he, he's got COVID now. We'll see when he can ask the sooner he gets back to better. Um, because I think he's got to put up a few more games where, like, that stretch where he was scoring like 25 a night or whatever for like a week. I think if he does that, you know, over like a 10 day stretch again, that that might push him there. Um, but I like Miles's improvement is real. Like, I'm not, I wasn't, I, I, we, that was obvious. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, what I was, always kind of like watching out for when it was happening was Terry, the fact that Terry Rozier um, for the first couple weeks of the season was not playing. Um, and when Terry's in the lineup, he, you know, obviously takes a lot of, a lot of shots along with, you know, like LaMelo takes shots, get going here takes his amount of shots. But like, I, I think like miles fast start to the season um, was a little bit correlated to, um, Terry Rozier's absence and then Terry Rozier kind of having a slow start when he, when he got back. Um, and you can kind of see it too. I think when Terry was out with, with the COVID stuff, like miles, miles's numbers kind of improved. Um, so I, I, like, I think miles is, has definitely is still deserves to be in the, in the most approved conversation, but I think like we just talked about with so many guys on the team that can, you know, score 20, 30 points on every, at any given night, they're averaging, you know, between 16 and 20 points um, per night. Uh, you know, I think it's just tough. <laughs> There's only one basketball. 
Um, but I, I think Miles, like, I, I think he's an all star this year for the way, what he's the how he's playing and especially the way he's contributed when key when other key guys have been out of the lineup. However, it's just so hard to put him there over some of these wings, um, you know, in the East. And, you know, I think he's got a shot. I definitely, you know, making make sure I'm voting for him. You know, I, I Hornets fans, please vote for Miles Bridges as well. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's, it's just tough. It's just tough. Yeah, and, like, I, if he just – like, he's shooting 31.4% from three right now. And he's going at his average field goal. Field goal attempts is seven point four for fifteen point six per game. The, yeah. the like I feel like put fan like people that are voting when you just perusing through stats. That's not. It's kind of it's kind of an eyesore in comparison to a lot of the other wings in the NBA. And it's not like that's like bad. Like those are bad numbers. Like they're perfectly fine for what Miles like his role on the team. And like you said, he stepped up so much when pretty much everybody on the team was out, and it was just kind of him and Hayward running the show. He's taken he's like massive leaps forward as a playmaker in transition and in the half court. I mean, he can like run a pick and roll now. He puts in much more like consistent like focus and effort on defense compared to his first couple of years in the league. Like he's just he most improved. I definitely think he put that well. He's probably probably still an, a very high ranking candidate for most improved, but I mean, making the all-star game is just, it's just, it's just hard to do. So I, I don't, uh, I, it's not like I, uh, it was like something anybody like truly expected from him either. I don't think like it'd be different. Like mellow people do kind of expect him to be all-star level, like make all-star teams, not necessarily this yes. year, but next year, but no one's like really banking on miles being an all-star. It's kind of just like a bonus if he develops like that much. So, I mean, what he's done now is, I'd be mean, totally fine with me. But but if he makes an All Star team or improves like a little bit more and is able to make the All Star team this year, like that would be totally that would just be a complete like gift from the above. To be quite honest with you, Chase, I care more about Miles Bridges like getting better and building on the level of success that he's had this year and being more efficient for the rest of the season and, and building upon that for next year and, and being an all-star level player for the future of the team than like him necessarily making the all-star team this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think it would probably, it might serve him better. I mean, to take like, get like a slight, slightly smaller, like scoring role offensively become more efficient again. Cause I mean, I remember last year, like when he came off the bench at the beginning of the year, he was like ultra efficient. And I mean, pretty much every time that he shot the ball, it was it was going in. I mean, he was picking his spots really well. I mean, at the beginning of the year, he was doing that, too. All like he was hitting everything. He was creating tons of shots from from beyond the arc and knocking them down, too. Uh, I just over the year that the load has just kind of wore on him a little bit. I mean, maybe 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 this like 10 or whatever day break that he's going to get from testing positive and going into health and safety protocols will like re- rejuvenate him a little bit. I mean, maybe he was just uh, him being tired and playing again, the most minutes of any player in the NBA was leading to him not being able to score efficiently, like on a nightly basis. Cause he has done it like, uh, like fairly, I mean, he's had good games sprinkled about. It's not like a, it was like a free fall into, into being like a, a less efficient player. It was just like a cr- kind of a gradual decline. And now here we are uh, like a couple months later, and it's just not not quite the same as it was at the beginning of the year. But 
I think he'll he could definitely he'll definitely get back to it. I, I feel like he he's too talented of a player and he's grown too much in the last like I was about to say year, but it's really been like like not like our player I was about to say season but it's really only been like a half of season basically since he took that leap forward last year in like April and then now we're in December and he's worthy of talking about as an all-star candidate so I mean props to Miles we I he he has nobody in on the Hornets has developed as much as he has in the last uh, like couple years I don't think Yeah, and I and I think his development and um, I mean it's it's a, it's a it's a it's been a welcome surprise, I think, and something and something that where, you know, in the year where well, it's a contract year for him, and, and you know, I, I think that you know again, like it's it's much more important that you just kind of keep going and improving, and let's let's you know try to reach that that level um, on a consistent basis, than sort of it like you know, it, it kind of being something now and then, you know, for the, for the, you know, you know, for the next few years, you know, you don't see the same, same uh, consistent prediction out of him. I mean, I'm excited for him though. I think the fact that he's even in this conversation, you know, for what was he drafted number 12 overall, um, yeah. number 12 overall, like that's a lottery pick, but like, you know, that, that, you know, late lottery doesn't always pan out. Um, I, I think that's a win in it, win in and of itself. And uh, maybe, you know, if he gets continues to you know get better, maybe this time next year we're talking about if um, Charlotte won the SGA trade, <laughs> 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 which is something I never thought I'd be able to like no, no. contemplate. <laughs> no, I remember like two years ago, um, it was like the thing was like, yeah, like we like Miles, but let's just not talk about the who he was traded for on draft night let's just kind of skip over that fact but now it's it's fine because it, it kind of just worked out for both teams i mean it definitely worked out for both teams the thunder is <laughs> signed shea gilders alexander to a, a long-term extremely high dollar contract and miles is about to get one for himself too so yeah definitely, it definitely worked out i would say yeah the clippers got paul george and and yeah the thunder <laughs> have their have their franchise players so yeah it worked out for all parties involved yeah not the, see there doesn't have to be a winner and a loser in every trade some sometimes we're all winners that, that's the, <laughs> that's the beauty of life all there right we, we yeah we'll we'll take a quick ad break here and maxwell and i will be back for the second half we're going to do a hornets new year's resolution each of us will will give our thoughts on that and then we'll wrap up with some trade ideas some some trade puzzles for the final segment see you guys in a minute When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Maxwell and I are here. We're going to give you our Hornets New Year's resolution. Nothing really, uh, nothing unique about these. It's just a New Year's resolution, but themed and uh, generate or geared towards the Charlotte Hornets basketball team. Maxwell, do you want to start off with yours? Yeah, I can. And this and this is going to be easy because we've already talked about this 
these two things in the show already. So my New Year's resolution for the Charlotte Hornets is for them to play better defense and to have uh, good health um, for the rest of the, the season. Um, I, you know, obviously things happen. I don't expect perfect health, but like we talked about earlier, you know, we've had COVID cases for almost every, everybody on the team. So, you know, part of that is hopefully let's stay out of any other COVID situations, especially for, you know, key rotation players um, as, as best we can. Um, you know, hope, I'm, I'm hoping for the, those guys to stay healthy, but also just, you know, health in general, no, no injuries. That, that, that was really something that last year, you know, took, you know, deflated the season, honestly, took the fun out of it um, to have, you know, LaMelo and, and Gordon Hayward go down with injuries when we had so much momentum. And, you know, this year, I think health would be would be great, um, you know, for this team, uh, you know, especially as we're trying to, you know, take steps forward and see what this team can really do, um, especially in the playoffs. So um, th- I want that for sure. But, you know, I got I had to throw in there too, just playing better defense, um, which we talked about before may will probably happen with the easier schedule. But uh gotta 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 have that <laughs> gotta have that if, if you if you want to be a playoff team and you want to advance so those are my new year's resolutions oh yeah i mean I, we we talked about like the schedule a lot and just being like kind of beaten down because of how how much they've had to travel part of it is the is that they're just like they haven't been very good defensively that that like both the player like the players haven't been as good the coaches haven't been as good this i mean borrego has said that pretty much every player Terry Rozier after the Rockets game or before the Rockets game, Rod Boone posted an article that was talking about, he was like, he said, scary Terry is here offensively. And then asked him about his defense and Terry pretty much uh, the direct quote was that like, my effort just hasn't been there like all year. So, I mean, they, they know like they, they, they haven't been playing up to their potential. I mean, the, the rest and, or the lack of rest and all the traveling that they have to do and playing like the most games in the league, doesn't help, but I mean, you can every every team plays lots of games, so that way we, we, we that's definitely uh some some slack to be picked up in the in the second half here. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Uh, no I, you, you can, if you have a another thought, you can, you can go right ahead. No, no, I, I I agree with you. You got it. All right. So, my New Year's resolution: take more threes. It, it, this might sound weird because they do take a lot. The Hornets are the league leaders in three-point percentage, but they're seventh in attempts per game at 37.8 per game. The, the Jazz are first for reference at 41.9. But, I mean, let, the Hornets are the best three-point shooting team in the league. They only have two players that are, like, in the rotation that shoot below 37%. I mean, you can round – I'm rounding Kelly Oubre's 36.9% up to 37%, by the way, for this. The only, and those two players are Terry Rozier and Miles Bridges, who you, both of us, or who, who both we can presume will raise that, that percentage at least a little bit before the year ends, if not go above that 37% mark to where you're like well over a league average shooter. Cody Martin is shooting 50% on 2.3 attempts per game. PJ Washington, 43% on 4.8 attempts per game. Jalen McDaniels, 41.5%. Gordon Hayward, 39%. Lamelo, 39%. Like there are so many guys that are just absolute snipers. And the Hornets do take a lot of threes. It's like it's very clearly like something that they're trying to do. I mean, Terry has taken leaps and bounds as a three-point shot creator. Like that was never something that he used to be able to do until he got to Charlotte. 
Gordon takes more threes. LaMelo is taking 7.2 per game. Kelly Oubre is like in the sixth man of the year running specifically because of how, how well he gets off the bench and just jacks threes and can make them. I mean, he's taking 7.7 threes in 29 minutes per game. So I, the, it's, it's clearly working when they put the ball in the hoop from long distance, they tend to win games. I mean, that, that is the case for a lot of teams, but that for the Hornets, especially like they are a jump shooting team. So I, to me, take more of them. Like they're, they're, they're all shooting efficiently, except for miles or, and Terry is, I was going to say Terry is not efficient, but he's not even like inefficient. 36.1% is fine. It's just not what we're used to from Terry. Miles is the only one that's like quote unquote inefficient. And even he like has enough gravity to where like defenses respect him. Like nobody is just like, not closing out on Miles Bridges. Everyone like players, everybody's still closing out on him. And then he can attack closeouts from there and get to the rim and pass now, which just makes it even better because he's always surrounded by even more shooters. Like I, I was like, this would just happened while I was looking through stats this morning, thinking of my new year's resolution. Cause I was kind of like struggling to find one, but then I was like, wait, I mean, and, and I'm seventh in the league in threes is not like it. Like you're still obviously very high in the, in, in the rankings and 37.8 per game is not a small amount, but I don't see why not they, why they couldn't be like a top five, top three team in the league in three point attempts per game, especially with how efficient they are with how fast they play, the type of offense they play and just with how many good shooters they have in the rotation. And even the guys that aren't in the rotation right now, like book Knight and JT Thor have shown potential as shooters and ish Smith apparently can shoot threes now. And like, who, 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 who thought that? I mean, so that, that, that is my new year's resolution for the Charlotte Hornets shoot more three pointers. Yeah, I I think um, that's a great resolution. And it, the three point, every time I I watch a broadcast and like the Hornets are the number one three point shooting team in the league, it's always like, what? (laughs) Like that's so, you know, shocking to me. (laughs) Yeah, no, so many uh, guys but, yeah, have, like, no, my, Cody Martin it's... and Jalen McDaniels taking that step forward is just, like, mind-blowing to me. Yeah, and, and uh, like, it's it's great. I'm happy for the guys that have improved their three-point shooting and become, you know, uh, you know, efficient shooters. I'm very, very happy that LaMelo's three-point shooting has, I think, improved from last year. But, like, I mean, percentage-wise, but, like, it's stuck because, you know, the big question was, well, like, I mean, obviously coming into the NBA, it was his, his shooting. I mean, you know, was it, what you know, sample size, you know, is it real? And it's like now, I think you said earlier, you said like 41% or something like that. So, I mean, the fact that LaMelo's, three-point shooting is um, we can say he's a good three-point shooter um, or even above average three-point shooter and everyone else is also shooting above average from three like that's just amazing yeah I mean it's literally like the perfect type of team to surround the player that is as good of a passer as Lamelo is with it's it's like such a joy to watch for pretty much every night something I was also thinking of the Hornets have like they they play such like an entertaining brand of basketball. Even like when they lose, 
it's there's usually some sort of like comeback involved. Rarely is there ever a time where they're like a game where they just have no chance to win from the tip. It was basically like like the Dallas game or something or that Sacramento. The first Sacramento game are really the only ones I can think of right off the top of my head. But I mean, and and it's players. It's got it's like improvements like LaMelo being a very good three point shooter. Basically, as soon as he entered the league, I mean, thirty five point two percent as a rookie to thirty nine point two percent as a sophomore. So many of those are like pull up step back like between the leg jumpers too from like the right wing or three feet behind the line or something because he's because he's such yeah. a showman yeah it's it's just it's so it's, yeah it's 39 awesome. i don't know where i got 41 from but <laughs> hey, same, yes. same, same difference yeah. maybe maybe he'll be at 41 you are speaking into, into existence maybe. we'll look back in a couple of weeks and he'll go like he'll go six for eight like three <laughs> times and then we'll he'll be at 41 yeah. percent so you're just, you're just also also almost 92 percent from the free throw line is also like yeah insane for him but yeah i know it's good to see yeah it's it's been it's it's been a very 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 good development for Lamelo as a shooter since he became a charlotte hornet to round out this episode maxwell and i we have i will i have two trade ideas i don't know how many maxwell has uh I, first i just want to ask you a question about your outlook on the team and what you think they should or might do in the trade deadline here in the, in the coming months, uh, as we, as we lead up to the trade deadline in the coming months. So I, well, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think the team is, I guess, I, I don't want to say like good enough to make like a trade for the playoffs. Cause I mean, they obviously are the, the East is more wide open really in terms of uh, playoff seating than it's been in a while, but like, what, what do you, where, where do you think that they're at or wh- what would you do as well? If you were in charge of this team. That's a great question, Chase. Um, and I, I was, I was on a podcast called Break the Bank, um, and recently, and just talking about the Hornets uh, from a team building standpoint for the future. Um, and me personally, like, I think we're in good shape. But this year, like, I'm looking at this team where we just have talked about how they've managed to, you know, be you know, a, a pretty solid team through a tough schedule and their schedule is getting easier. And, you know, I know there's a lot of, you know, possibilities out there and, and guys that, you know, you could possibly look at, but I, I'm starting to question whether or not a trade at the deadline even makes sense for this team. Um, you know, especially considering as things even out as, as, you know, the Hornets play more home games, this team, for the playoffs, you know, I don't think many people would expect them to make a deep run, but in terms of just taking that next step to be, you know, firmly in the playoffs or, you know, a high seated play in team, like a seven, um, you know, you know, that, that seven, eight, maybe instead of nine, 10. Um, I, I think that's there for the Hornets with this roster current, how it's currently constructed. And, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, Miles Turner and I, and I kind of understand that, but I think if I was running things, I think I would, I, I think I would let, let this year play out. And then maybe you see what you have in the off season and what your options are, because at this point, I don't think, I don't, I don't think we really know uh, what exactly this team can be based on the, the sample size of the first half of the season. Um, and trading for a guy like a Miles Turner, 
um, while maybe totally worthwhile with this contract. And then you also have to think about, you know, Miles, Miles Bridges, you have to pay um, this offseason or, or be prepared to pay this offseason. Um, I don't know if, you know, risking, you know, trading for, for Miles Turner and it doesn't work, you know, for whatever reason on the court, um, or you don't get it, or, or you don't get, you know, his perceived value, um, depending on what you trade him for. I don't know if that's really a risk you need to take at this point in time. I mean, so that's that's where I'm at. I like, yeah, I like, I literally could not have said that better any better myself. I completely agree. They're just not like they are really good, but to me. Like, if you're making a trade where you're giving up, like, tangible young assets with, like, real value, like PJ or Kai or Jalen McDaniels or Cody Martin now even, because they've improved so much in the last two years, or, like, or, or Book Knight or Thor, like, there really aren't that many players on the Hornets roster that, like, of the low, like, young value pieces that are, like, that you're going to get something in return that way or outweighs like the value that you'd be giving up. Like we, we traded a draft pick for Kai Jones, like James Booknight like fell to the Hornets and it was like a gift. Like, like Mitch Kupchak said, he's never had as many calls for a trade as he did when Booknight fell to them. Like, I think that you'd, you'd just to trade them for someone like, like a miles Turner, like you said, or, like like Christian Wood or, or I, like somebody like I, there just aren't any centers available that would make it worth giving up all of that and like it's you're kind of giving up on like your ideal and like your mindset as a team of being like we're going to draft these guys develop them turn them into something that either we're going to keep or we're going to flip to another team for an asset like they did with Devonte uh, like like and and another th- like th- this has been probably one of the quieter things that's happened in the last couple of weeks. Mason Plumlee is fine. Like he is a, he's a perfectly fine center now. Like he, he's gotten the hang of, of the, that little him of, of the, ugh, my God, he's gotten the hang of himself as the interior, like the anchor of the Hornets defense as like the guy that needs to like, everything gets funneled to, he needs to clean up for all the mistakes. I feel like he had never really had that role in his career before, but now he's the best interior defender on his team. So and he's gotten a lot better at it. He's in the 98th percentile. He's 10.6 points per 100 possessions, uh, positive or better. Or the Hornets are 10.6 points per 100 possessions better when Mason Plumlee is on the floor and manning the middle defensively. The, the 98th percentile in the league, like that, that's a massive improvement just from the beginning of this year. So I mean, it like the need. Obviously, the team needs a center like really badly for the long term, but like that could be Kai. And if you trade for miles Turner, like you're just locking yourself into being like, yep, the, the guy has to be miles Turner. It's like, it very well could be, but like, I I'm, I don't know if that's like a risk that I'd be willing to take. Like if, if Deandre Ayton came on, came available or something like that, um, which I feel like the, the whole thing about him wanting a max from the Suns and then them being like, no way, we're not giving it to you. And then hilarious. <laughs> like that, I feel it was, hilarious. but I feel like that fizzled out like really quickly. Like that, that never, yeah. it never built yeah. into anything. But I mean, maybe, maybe it does like in, in the off season again or something like that. But I mean, that would, to me, that like, I would much rather wait for that and just have it not happen and sign 
big man X or, or trade for big man Z or whatever, then just get it done now and be like, yeah, we made this run to the sixth seed in the first round uh, of the 21-22 playoffs. And then like next year, like, oh, we re-signed Miles Bridges and Cody Martin and like went way, way into luxury tax. And like, you know, unless the Charlotte Hornets are going to have like a top four payroll like next season, I like I'm just not and also like be fine with not being a top four team in the league, presumably like there if, if ownership wants to do that, that's fine because you can spend like spend money and develop prospects like inwardly and kind of do both at the same time. But I just don't see that happening from from the Hornets. And until then, like I'd rather just kind of like do the thing that they're doing now, like keep keep your books open, like commit to like your own young players for the most part. And then just kind of be like, yeah, the chips will fall where they may when, you know, our LaMelo, our offensive engine gets like full control of this team. He already I mean, he already has it, but it's just when, when is he able to like take full advantage of it every single night out? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this you're you are a team where this year you have a chance to really build upon, you know, what you what we thought maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, looked bleak, which was, which is, you know, make the playoffs and, and win a few games this year. So I think you can, like, as a fan, I'm, I am happy to hang my hat on that. Like this team doesn't have to try to win an NBA championship this year, you know, in the year LaMelo hasn't even played 82 games yet. We're in year one and a half of, of, of him. I think there's no need to, to rush anything or do anything drastic at the trade deadline. If you want to, you know, do something that's maybe like incremental, sure but like i i'm just kind of set on you know just seeing how this team um you know looks at the end of the year where they're at they're they're not the same team that that lost to the pacers in the playing round um they're 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 much better than that as currently constructed um and obviously health is is gonna have to be a big part of that um moving forward but you know you build upon this year you you see what you end up with um, this team has a great shot to to be a, a playoff team. And um, you take it from there, I think. So this is going to be an extremely left field um, trade option. But I've been, I, he, I, this guy's kind of just like my target for any team that's like kind of needs uh, some ball handling and could use like a boost to get from one level of the East to another. Are you ready for this one? It's I I I I I'm, I'm very surprised to see how, how shocked you are by this. Oh yeah, I, I hear you. Go ahead, Ricky Rubio. I feel like he would be pretty good on the Hornets as like a backup. I mean, I you would you would never have to go to Ish anymore. Well, not that he's like bad, but I uh, Rubio, uh, Terry, and Lamelo as your guard rotation would. I mean, it would take Terry off the ball too. And Cody Martin would pl- be playing strictly the wing. He wouldn't have to do any point guard r- responsibilities. Like, I feel like he would be so good for that second unit. Like the the and the pace of play that the Hornets would want would never have to drop off. He's good defensively as well, which is something that is not common among like Hornets guards. Like, I mean, it, it it's not a realistic uh, like trade target because. I, I just don't think the Hornets would make a move for like a player of his age that he's been good for the Cavs, all that kind of thing. But I mean, it, I, I think he would be like a very, very good fit if they could work something out. What, what do you think? Yeah. Ricky Rubio does provide a lot of value there. I'm, 
I, I I think you're right. It's not realistic, but like my first thought kind of goes to does that stunt the growth of Book Night because I think eventually mm, that's true. His his role has to get bigger. Yeah, um, that's true. You might want him naturally at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want his role to get bigger. So I'm like, uh, for all the things you said, I think it's a great fit. But I'm like, I think it's time to like, you know, for for us to take the training wheels off a of book night a little bit. And I think Rubio would like hamper hamper that a bit. So. So I take it that you'd be way more open to a trade that like moves uh, like a veteran player as opposed to moving like PJ or book Knight or Kai for a veteran player. Uh, it depends on the player. Yeah. Um, my issue is like, if I, if you made me choose, Right, I I probably say, you know, Kai is probably a project player that like is maybe. Uh, I mean, he's on our time. He's on Lamelo's timeline, but like, I, I think you might be able to get like a good veteran player for him that intrigues another team. Um, PJ Washington. Um, is another one that I that I might be willing to part with. However, I love to like if if like Pete like we kind of like Miles' breakout this year is kind of holding me, <laughs> giving me hope that maybe PJ has one next yeah. year or whatever. But PJ's biggest biggest issue um, has sort of just been you know consistently being in the lineup the last two years um, was banged up earlier in the season. Um, I think he had an illness at one point and then he's got COVID now. So, um, you know, last year he went, he, he, he went through some, some bumps and bruises. So, um, in, in the last few years, you haven't really seen him be in the lineup consistently. I don't think he's necessarily injury, injury prone player, but you just don't know what you have with him at this point. And I'm not ready to necessarily let that go. But if you're asking me between like the four players you just named, who would I be willing to let go of? I I'm, I would I would say PJ and Kai for sure. I think that makes sense, and I like. I feel like if you move them, uh, like you're you're not like not only you're you if you get a veteran player without moving them, you're blocking a lot of their past to minutes. And if you do move them for this like older player that can help you right now, like you can just hand all of the minutes to that player and be like, "Yep, you're you're our starting center, thirty four minutes a game, touches." Like here you go. Like the, the the interior is like your that's that's your position. You don't have anybody that's like developing behind you that could potentially take your spot. No backup that's like close to as good as you are or anything like that. But yeah, I I, I it's December twenty eighth when we're recording this. Like the, the do you think the trade the trade market gets going like earlier this year than usual? I feel like we might end up seeing some action i mean i know what probably not with all like the covid stuff going on like right now but once like rosters are you know back to normal instead of being filled with like lots of 10-day players i think we could we could see see some earlier movement than normal because there there there's so many teams that are like around hovering around 500 in both in both conferences like someone might needs to get ahead of the curve here eventually 
I think we may see some slower movement than there than we expect, only because I feel like people are still holding out hope for Philadelphia to do something with Ben Simmons. And then the Pacers as well. I feel like those are situations where, you know, we're on the cusp of possibly a trade happening with those, you know, with, with players on the, on, I mean, with the Ben Simmons and obviously some bonus internal, like we just talked about, and maybe some other players on the, on the Pacers Brogdon, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but I, I feel like you could see more teams holding out uh, for, for, you know, a, uh, something to happen. Um, in one of those two situations before they're, you know, reticent to make moves. I think there'll probably be some small, you know, moves here and there, but like any big things, I think teams are going to wait to wait to see, excuse me, they're going to be patient and wait to see, you know, what happens with, with uh, the Sixers and, and the Pacers. We will just have to wait and see. Maxwell, you got anything else before, before we head out of here on this episode? I think that's all, that's all I've got for today. You know what, Chase? It's been great. I have nothing else. Um, I'm excited that we're getting some um, easier opponents on the on the Hornets, uh, you know, journey to uh, the playoffs this year. And um, you know, I'm 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 all good. I'm you know excited to to have been on. And uh, thanks for for having me. Thank you for coming on here and holding down the fort with me while James was on vacation. I really appreciate it. We'll definitely have to have you back on again before the season ends to touch base on how everything's gone on with the Hornets. But until next time, thank you all for listening. Have a good day.